eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All top 25s created equal? I don't think so, but a big one came out today. Did anyone notice? certain four-letter network with a certain three-letter power rating. You wanted to talk about it. I don't necessarily care for it, but because you want it, we will talk about it. We are jam-packed high atop a gorgeous downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It's Tuesday, April 18th, the year of our Lord, 2023. Transfer portal is not on fire yet, but it's smoking. It's simmering a little bit. We got big names moving. Even within the last couple of hours, we've had some names move. I will talk to you about it. FPI. The old top 25 FPI from ESPN has been released. Uh, that is their attempt at power ratings. And so you wanted to talk about it? Yeah, I got some. You know I've got some thoughts on it, so I'll discuss that tonight. The best program in the state of Florida. You know how you talk about that big three all the time? What do you think about the big three, Josh? And then you hear this, you hear this knock, and you say, Whomst is at the door? Oh, it's UCF reminding us there are four Power 5 programs down there right now. We'll discuss that in a little while. Spring games have never received more hate than they've received over the past week. I don't know where it came from. Maybe some people are just bored. Maybe some people don't have anything better to talk about. I love spring. It's my favorite season. I love spring games. I don't think talking about them is overreacting, but we will discuss. Uh, They're watching us in, let me get the pronunciation right, San Luis Obispo. California. Sounds delicious. They're watching us in Reedsville, PA. Wallensburg, Colorado is tuned in. And how many times have we seen this? Saudi Arabia by way of Belmont, North Carolina. So they're watching us everywhere tonight. I have critical updates for you on tonight's show. You have waited and waited and waited, and trust me, so have I. The office ping pong tournament has concluded. A champion has been crowned. I think it was the final matchup that most people around the office expected. It went the distance in a best of three. It went three games. It happened mere hours ago, so word has not even leaked as to whomst won. I'll talk to you about it in a little while, but first we have to lead 
with the transfer portal. Transfer portal is open. We got about a two-week window here, so if you're going to get moving, you kind of have to get your affairs in order pretty quickly. Actually, before we even start, I got several names to talk to you about. Josh DeBerry, because he decided to move today close to the show, he gets, he gets a post-it pop, probably the first one in his career. He's a corner, 5'11", 177. He's a grad transfer, was from Boston College. He is now at Texas A&M. All-ACC second team two years ago, two-time ACC honorable mention. Probably going to be a slot corner for him, so we see already. We're going to talk about A&M later in the show. We see already there is a piece that they just added that we could not have known about even when we watched the spring game and, and overreacted to it, according to some the other day. Because, you know, if you watch a spring game and mention it, that's overreacting. So there you go. There's one name that's already moved today. We've got others. Caleb Etienne. Remember, we talked about him the other night. That was the one I told you there was going to be a really, really hot market for. He was the starting left tackle at Oklahoma State last year. He started all 13 games, one of only two players at Oklahoma State to start all 13 games. 6'7", 330. Again, we're talking a starting Power 5 offensive tackle, left tackle. So I'm sitting here thinking to myself, it would be in his best interest to draw this process out a little. And then all of a sudden, eight hours later, he's committed to Brigham Young. Big 12 member institution, Brigham Young, mind you. And so that didn't last very long, immunity. And then producer Jesse walks into my office and he says, I found something. And I say, what is it, Jesse? And he says, do you promise to paper pop it? And I say, just tell me. Braden Kearsley was at Oklahoma State. He is now a coach at Brigham Young. We think he may have had something to do with this. At the very least, there was some familiarity there. Certainly, it seems like this was ironed out before he was ever in the portal. At least that's the way it seems. I don't speak negatively about such things because it's happening everywhere. So Caleb Etienne, we thought, would be a guy who sort of drugged the process out a little bit. Nope. And therefore, we have one less starting offensive tackle with, with any kind of experience, much less starting experience in the portal. Trill Carter's in the portal. Actually, no, he's not. Because another guy has already moved. Trill Carter, 6'2", 300-pound defensive tackle from Minnesota. He's headed to the Lone Star State, but he's headed to Texas. He had visited Arkansas, Illinois, Ohio State. And he just came out and shot straight with you. He said, it's too cold in the Big Ten. I'm tired of it. I don't like it. It's not for me. And therefore, I'm headed to warmer weather, literally. So he's headed to Texas. All Big Ten honorable mention. Um, two years ago, Actually, this was last year, right, Jesse? These snap counts? This was last year. Yeah, 545 snaps. That was the eighth most by an interior defensive lineman in the entire Big Ten. So you've got experience there. Now, look, if you're a Texas fan, you know how this works. He comes in, and it's not automatically that we're saying, oh, great, we got a plug-and-play defensive lineman. It may be that he's rotational, uh, he's first two-down guy, or it could just be that you look at him and you don't even have to get that specific. You just say, we got a guy named Trill. That's always a win. And then he's going to be a depth provider. And that also is a win. So the classic win, win, win. Because I got to say his name on air. Brock Vandergriff, not in the portal. I don't want to alarm anyone, at least as of last hour. Brock Vandergriff is not in the portal yet. Uh, that is a former five-star quarterback at Georgia. That was a guy you saw in the G-Day game, the spring game the other day which we also overreacted to. I drip with sarcasm when I say that. Brock Vandergriff had some things to say after the G-Day game. So it's pretty clear to me and 
everyone else who knows anything about Georgia football, Carson Beck's going to be the starting quarterback there unless something just catastrophic were to happen to him. Where does that leave Brock Vandergriff? Brock Vandergriff's not a true freshman. He's been there a couple of years. Beck, I said he was three years in the other day. He's four years in. You know, Beck, if he lights it up this year, could be one of those one-and-done quarterbacks, and you say, he can't leave yet, and all of a sudden you remember, oh, yeah, he can. He's been here forever. So Brock Vandergriff, the other day after the spring game, he said, in reference to what his future holds, because it's pretty clear what the starting order is, he's not sure, he's got some praying to do, and the plan is to just take it day by day. Most of us would draw from that. He's heavily thinking about heading into the portal. But he hasn't, at least that we know of, as of yet. Like I said, former five-star quarterback, 2021 cycle, uh, not in there yet. I can't emphasize that enough. Not in there yet. He cannot transfer within the SEC without sitting out a year. So I know, first and foremost, there are folks at Florida or, you know, a number at Auburn. There, there are folks who are looking around saying, we, we've got to add some quarterback depth. Where can we go? Well, you can't go that way because Greg Sankey's not going to let you go that way. So there, there are rules. There are rules against such things. And this is college football. We honor rules, don't we? So he may transfer. It's just if he does and he wants to be immediately eligible to play, he's going to have to go outside the conference. Or there is this other scenario. I heard there's this dude playing for the Eagles that got a lot of money the other day once upon a time. He just stayed. He stayed at his college. So many different ways to skin the old cat there. What about Gary Bryant? Jesse's cat's name is Gary. General rule of thumb around the office is we're not the biggest fan of Gary's. We like Trill, not the biggest fan of Gary's, but it's a case-by-case thing. So we make an exception. Probably got plenty of Gary's watching the show. So case-by-case, we will accept you guys. Gary Bryant, though, was a USC wide receiver, top 50 player in the 2020 cycle, 5'11", 180. He has set a commitment date. So in the portal, he set a commitment date. Now, Greg Biggins one of our West Coast recruiting insiders all over this thing. He's crystal balled him to Oregon. So as it stands now, Oregon looks like the betting favorite to land Gary Bryant. Arizona in there, Miami, A&M, UCLA, Oregon. 580 yards receiving in 2021. Seven touchdowns. And then last year, he redshirted. Remember, that's the year Lincoln Riley came in and, and like brought half the country with him. And so Gary Bryant was just sort of overtaken on the depth chart. Doesn't mean he's a bad player. Talked to you the other night about a couple of guys from Texas, former four-star guys, big speed guys that there just isn't enough room for because you only got one football to throw around. And so Gary Bryant, uh, a victim maybe of some roster additions there, he could very well go up the coast and be a factor in determining the Pac-12 championship picture this year. So let's keep an eye on that. Also, I did a lot of talking with coaches yesterday, a lot of talking. It's a miracle I still have my voice, being that I've been battling allergies and spent an inordinate amount of time on the phone, then talked to management last night for another 90 minutes for unrelated reasons. I'm going to give you some word on the street. What are the the folks behind the scenes talking about? Well, the thing that keeps getting relayed to me is the, um, the price tags around NIL that are happening in the recruiting process pale in comparison to the NIL dollars that are being tossed around in the, what they're calling the retention market. So a lot of the verbiage that has been relayed to me is you got the acquisition market that's going in recruiting kids out of high school. Then you got the retention market and that's trying to keep the guys that are currently on your roster. Right now, and this is the way it should be if we're being honest with ourselves, the way it looks like it's shaken out 
is you are spending less and less on acquiring high school talent because they're unproven. And then you're spending more and more on trying to keep the players that are proven on your roster, or at least the players you know more about. Now, if you have trouble buying that, I'm not telling you no one's spending any money on high school players. I'm saying disproportionately, the bigger money is being paid to, as it should be, players who have proven a little something at the college level. Go back to last December, a few months ago. Remember how I told you every coach I spoke with said that the transfer portal in December was going to be insane. And I kept, I kept hammering that because people kept telling me that. And then the portal opened and it came and went and it closed and it was fairly active, but it was not the tsunami of frontline talent on the move that everyone expected. Let me tell you what happened. The retention market took care of it. I know of several high-profile players whose universities got out in front of them entering the transfer portal and ponied up, to use a Meemaw phrase, to keep their guys on campus. If we're going to have that kind of activity in college football, that's actually the way it should work. Go prove something, and then we'll give you the money. And the market will set itself and blah, 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 yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think that's about all I can use. So um, yeah, that's what's happening right now. That's what's going on behind the scenes. The portal really underwhelmed people in December because of that very reason. So many coaches were fearful of it. So many folks were terrified of it that their collectives got out in front of it and said, all right, hey, hey, wait, where are you going? Before you step out there, could we talk about this? And some of you still have quarterbacks right now. Some of you have returning starters at that very high-profile position because your collectives stepped up. And some of them you know about, and some of them you don't know about. And it doesn't matter, because all's well that ends well at the end of the day. Oh, I hold in my hand a sheet of paper that has three letters on it that we don't talk a lot about on the show. FBI? Mm-mm. FPI. But you wanted to talk about this today, so I'm going to take a little sip from the chalice, and I'm going to talk about it. Blakely hit us up and said, I assume you disagree with the FPI top 25 teams, right? From Boulder, Colorado. What is FPI? Football Power Index is, I believe, what it stands for. This is ESPN's own internal generated power ratings. Uh, The concept is not a whole lot different than most people who generate their own power ratings. I do my own during the season. So, you know, we talk about it during the season. So this is not a foreign concept to anyone. Blakely said, I assume you disagree. Well, of course, I'm not going to disagree with anyone's 1 through 25. Let me be clear. I've never thought much of the FPI ratings. I glance at them. Uh, We don't really do segments about them on the show. I don't bake those numbers into our numbers. Now, when it comes to Texas, it looks like FPI and our model are on similar pages, and that is someone at Texas is paying the model and FPI off because Texas is always up there in the top five. But I get why it works the way it works. So I've never thought much of FPI because to, to be very clear, what this is supposed to be is a power rating that you could generate a hypothetical spread off of. I have made sure that that is their formula. It absolutely is. So what you would see, if you went to ESPN.com right now, you would see the listing of the teams, 1 through 25. Then you would see a power rating out next to them. And there is a number, 32, 29, 27. The difference between those numbers 
is, is quite literally what FPI would think of you versus someone else on a neutral field. It's really that simple. It's really that easy to figure out. So here's what I don't think a whole lot of. It. It's a nice little resource. It's nice to look at, okay? S&P Plus, Bill Connolly, a guy who should be the face of college football at ESPN as far as I'm concerned, that stuff I look at every week. S&P Plus, I revere. S&P Plus, uh, that is a metric that, yes, I factor in heavily into my own personal thinking, into my own personal numbers. That, that's a creator, by the way. That is a keystone entity in any market, one that others can't do without. Like, like there would be a hole in my numbers if S&P Plus didn't exist. Therefore, Bill Connolly is someone who, I don't make editorial decisions over there, but I mean, that dude should be a lot more front-facing than he is. Anyway, back to FBI. Let me, ex- let me give you a couple of examples. These are anecdotal. You could just as easily pick apart my numbers. Therefore, I'm telling you why I think this and not why you should think it. I was looking earlier today, and I noticed that FPI, FPI, I noticed FPI had Florida at 18. And I said, Florida who? University of? 18th in the country, really? So I looked at the power rating they assignated to Florida, and it's 12.7. And I looked and I said, well, who's below them? And I think Washington, Jesse, was Washington 21? Or 22, somewhere like that. Yeah, Washington's 21. It's just to give you an idea of what you're looking at there, what you're listening to on pod. This is FPI looking you in the eye with a straight face and saying, yeah, we'd we'd favor Florida against Washington on a neutral field tomorrow. Michael Penix returning for Washington, 11-win team out there, rock-solid identity. Who's the quarterback at Florida? We have no clue glaring holes all over the place, notwithstanding. Yeah, we'd favor Florida. No, you wouldn't. And if you ran a sports book, you'd never hang that number. You would never take action on that number. If those two were about to open up, if I had Florida versus Washington in Kansas City, Missouri on a neutral field, you would never offer me Washington and anything. You'd make me lay points with Washington. That's why I don't think a whole lot of it. And there was one little other tidbit near the top. Did you notice where they had Ohio State and Michigan? They got Ohio State number one. Uh, if, if you're listening on pod, Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, LSU, Texas. That's the one through five. Michigan, I think, was six. Uh, FPI would just, would just throw up Ohio State minus 10 against Michigan in Indianapolis, neutral field, wherever you want to play it. Play it in Bangladesh for all I care. You, uh, you buying that? Anyone laying 10 points with Ohio State? Anyone laying any points with Ohio State against Michigan right now? I don't think you are. I certainly don't think if you're running your own shop, you're going to hang that number out there. If you do, you're not running your own shop for long. Someone's about to bulldoze it. So here's how I would respond. If I were running FPI, I would say, Josh, you just don't get what this is about. Because most people who criticize these things don't get what it's about. But I do absolutely get what it's about. I do them myself. I know what you're trying to do. I know that you're trying to come to a value. Or you're trying to come to a number that you can match against odds and, and hopefully be a little better than odds makers. You have got weighted metrics for offense and defense. You've got positional values, player values. You've got slanted weight on recruiting with a disproportionate weight towards second, third, and fourth year classes as opposed to the true freshman class. I get all that. I understand totally how it works. 
I just don't agree with a lot of what FBI puts out there. So anyway, that's one man's opinion. You asked for my opinion, I gave it to you. Here's where I've got to be careful. No one's power ratings are going to be flawless. In fact, you go back and look at anyone's power ratings, mine included. When, you, when you're brave enough, I'll give them credit for this. When you're brave enough to put out the 1 through 25 in, I don't care, August, much less April, you're going to look foolish because it's impossible. A&M was in everyone's top 10 last year. And, and where did A&M end up? And I, I can't remember where we had them. I know we had them pretty high, though. So, so everyone anecdotally is going to look stupid. Is it the exception or is it the rule? That, that's, that's what I focus on. And also, whether I end up being right on something or not. When I put out, I don't give our numbers, but if I were to give our numbers correlated with our power ratings, and you start to do the math, and you figure what I'm saying I'd make someone versus someone else on a neutral field, I believe in that. I don't think the generators of FPI believe for a second Ohio State should lay 10 against Michigan right now. I don't think for a second anyone who generated those numbers thinks Washington needs to be getting points against Florida. I don't believe that. So I don't think a whole lot of it. Boom, that's it. I appreciate him putting it out, though. It it filled six minutes of our show. Academy Sports and Outdoors can fill a whole lot more than six minutes of your summer. What a segue. They didn't write that either. What a segue. Not to pat ourselves on the back or anything. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the other day, actually this morning, I got a text from someone or a DM. Now I've got to actually pull it up because I sent it to the Academy reps. I don't tell you guys this, but I send a lot of your DMs straight to the Academy reps. For instance, Wilkie, great name. Wilkie DM'd me and said, I don't have an academy in the immediate area, yet they still are shipping a hefty basketball goal to me. Academy truly is paid state material. You know why? Because he used academy.com. And that's exactly what I encourage you to do. If you don't have academy down the street, like, like everyone in the South does, that's fine. You want to support the show or you just, you don't really care about the show. Maybe you, you actively hate the show. Thanks for your viewership anyway. But you, you just want some some good outdoor sporting goods equipment, just go to academy.com. Wilkie did, and look how cool he is. So be like Wilkie, academy.com. Or if you want to do it the good old-fashioned way, immunity, just go to Academy Sports and Outdoors in person. They've got everything you need. They've got your camping gear. They've got your outdoor gear. They've got your sporting gear. They've got your grilling. They've got everything, man. They've got bikes. They've got everything you need. And they've got our back, and we appreciate it. Academy Sports and Outdoors. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their 
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here's a great question. It, it, mm, I'll read it to you. I won't, I won't give you any, any front-facing commentary. I'll read it to you here. Ooh, really, really thick choice liquid in the chalice tonight. Really thick. We'll get through it, though. PJ hit us up, originally from Green Cove Springs, Florida, currently in Gainesville, Georgia. And PJ said yesterday... FSU flipped the number one tight end in the country from Georgia. Yes, they did. Are the Seminoles officially the top dog in the state of Florida following a 10-win season and recruiting at a top five level? Have you ever been around someone who knows they're dressed better than everyone in the room? And, and that person walks in and they ask like they have no clue. Hey, how, how do I look? Do I look okay? How do I look? That's FSU right now. FSU, they're doing exactly what I would do. I'm not blaming you guys. I'm just saying you're trying on a tux and you walk out into the room and everyone else has got sandals, shorts, tees, and flip-flops on. And Sandals and flip-flops, by the way. What an what a outfit. You got the tux on. They got the beachwear on. And you walk out. Guys, do I look okay? Do, how do I look in this? Yeah, Florida State coming off a 10-win season. You do look better than Miami that missed a bowl game last year. Absolutely knocking on the door of an ACC title contender season, Florida State, you look a little better than Florida does right now, having barely made a bowl game and, and then getting boat raced in the bowl game. Yes, you, you guys need it. You want your flowers for a second. Here they are. Do I sound a little harsh in this critique? Probably. Do I mean for it to sound that way? Not necessarily. Should it sound that way? Most likely. We need some continuity. I need some consistency from you guys. Last year was great to see. Okay, since everyone else is going to give you the tire pump, I'm going to make sure and check the pressure here. I'm going to make sure and remind you there was that little back-to-back-to-back speed bump in the middle of the year. Doesn't mean anything. Still had a great year. Doesn't mean anything as it relates to this year. Just want to remind you, there, there is still a little ways to go on the climb up the proverbial ACC college football playoff mountain. But yeah, you're, you're well ahead right now of the programs in your own state. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about UCF in a second. But I got a stat for you. And I, I'd love to take credit for it. But I cannot take credit for this one. Producer Jesse, he's over there today. I'm playing him some Kenny G. Because we, we play saxophone about once a week around here. There's a guy who hangs out down near our office who plays wonderful saxophone. Dude should be on Broadway. Instead, he's in Printer's Alley late at night. And so I was, just, I was just serenading producer Jesse. He's paying me no mind whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, he's, voila! What is it, Jesse? He said, 
If you combined portal and recruiting rankings, Florida State has finished behind Florida and Miami each of the past four cycles. How do we make sense of it? Whomstead have thunk it. Florida State, in combined portal and recruiting rankings, has finished behind Florida and Miami not one year, not two, not three, four years in a row. And yet there is the result on the field. Now, it certainly looks like those tables are turning. It doesn't look like that will be extended into a fifth year in a row, certainly. But in the meantime, Florida State's just steadily ascending. And I can't say the same about the other entities in the state necessarily. And so you're left to wonder, well, Florida State seems like they have things figured out. How differently could this conversation sound a year from now? Aha, that's a good question. How differently could this conversation sound a year from now? Well, on one hand, we may have seen Florida State go back up everything people are saying about them. And they may go win the ACC. They may be uh, knocking on the door of college football playoff contention and all of a sudden they've arrived and they're in the conversation for the foreseeable future. That would make it a moot point. Maybe Florida State fell off a little bit. Maybe Miami surges this year. You got Shannon Dawson down there at offensive coordinator and he resurrects the career of Tyler Van Dyke. And uh, who knows who Mario Cristobal is about to go add in the portal this week and in the next two weeks. Maybe they just go from five wins to nine wins. And all of a sudden, people are saying, hey, now he's got it. He's got it settled in and dialed in the way he wants. If Jaden Rashada had stuck with Florida, we would sound a whole lot different about them right now. As it stands, things are pretty shaky at Florida. But maybe they overcome some odds. Maybe they're like plus six this year in one possession win-loss ratings. And all of a sudden, they're an eight-win team. Point is, there are some... There are some negative sides to that coin, too. It could just be a disaster this year for Miami. It could be a disaster for Florida. And if either one of those things happen, those programs would be in turmoil, a whole lot of conversation around them, independent of Florida State. My point is, man, it's like pivot years for all three of them. And we're sitting here talking about it in 2023. But how about January or February of 2024, especially after the signing day? What will it sound like then? Now, as for this big three, this big three nonsense, as Gus Malzahn and company would, would have me correctly articulate it, there is no longer a big three down there, at least if you're talking about Power Five teams. We do have to welcome the Central Florida Knights to the conversation. I didn't you know, plan a parade or anything. We don't have a, a, a banner to unveil. They're the experts on hanging the banners down there. But, I kid because I care, but... You know, there's, there, there's not a whole lot of gap between us talking about Florida, Miami, Central Florida. In fact, in some of the critical metrics we look at, we would mention Central Florida before one or two of those teams. And hey, we actually saw them on the Every Given Saturday tour last year. Did we not? Yes, we did. And so I mentioned that because we cannot say that. Actually, we can say it about Florida because we saw them against Tennessee. We didn't see Miami last year. We didn't see Florida State, but we did see Central Florida. So, hey, if we see you, that's one of the most surefire metrics that you're at the head table. That's why we respect Tulane. And I actually wore a Tulane shirt the other night to hit softballs. How much better does it get? That that one really took a sideways turn at the end. But yeah, Florida State, best team in Florida right now. One way or another, that's going to be like alphabet soup this year. We're just going to mix that whole thing up. 
they're watching us in Denver, Colorado. They're wa- okay, we got two Colorados here. They're watching us in Fort Collins and Denver. Thank you, guys, in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, really, really appreciate it. I now have arrived at really the portion of the show that's the only reason I came in tonight. As you know, I was blindsided by treachery about, oh, two months ago when management waited for me to leave town to go to the NFL Combine and cover it for the greater good of the company. And they set up a ping pong tournament. They made me a six seed. Inexplicable. Anyway, I fought against all odds. Some said insurmountable. And I made it to the finals of the tournament. And then there was silence. And you guys have asked, whatever happened to the tournament? Some even speculated that I had lost and I was a sore loser and I just hadn't updated you. And you're half right. I'm a very sore loser. But I was not silent because I had lost. I was silent because I was waiting on producer Jesse and his foe to play. Yes, producer Jesse made it to the final four. But he was ousted today by really the guy who has become my chief rival in the office, not management. I disposed of management months ago. Let's be real. And he's been hiding down in that gated community ever since. In fact, in classic management fashion, he didn't even come into the office today. Clint Brewster, though, and I have a very, very heated rivalry in the office right now. And Clint beat Jesse earlier today, and I was at the gym. And all of a sudden, the eye josh lights up. It's time. It's time. And, and they knew that I had a hurt neck today, but they didn't care. They just wanted to throw me to the wolves. So I came back in. I put on as brave a face as I could, and we faced off in game one, and Clint took me down. But it's best of three. Rebounded in game two, and we went to a third and decisive game to determine the champion of this office. And fortunately, Junior Director Bradley has it as part of his responsibilities to be filming when the game is on the line. Roll it. For the tournament. Wow. 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 What? A rally. A champion is crowned for the first time. You can't even imagine. You know, those of you who have played in the Super Bowl, play for national championships, yeah, you guys can imagine. But otherwise, the stakes that were in play on that final point, it's tough to put into words. And yet, we prevailed. And you know I don't play for myself. In fact, everyone knows that. I play for you guys. Look, I wanted the crown. But we didn't have one. We got to get fitted for that. So in the meantime, what did we do? We did what any responsible, reasonable adult who just won a ping pong tournament did. We headed up two floors to CMT, and we stole a 2015 CMT Video Music Award. So this is a placeholder until we can get the crown. But allergies, just debilitating allergies. I had a slightly sprained neck today. Um, Most of my coworkers were against me, and yet we overcame because that's what we do. That's exactly what we do. So I appreciate you guys. Also, I hadn't even eaten before that. So I appreciate you guys for the support. And we brought the title home. We are now the one seed in the office. And I I can't take full credit for this. There were a lot of people behind the scenes that went into winning this 
CMT Video Music Award that will eventually be a chalice or maybe even a paddle of supremacy. Jesse, we got to get this back up to CMT before they get in tomorrow. Okay. With that in mind, we move on and talk more college football. I would like you to do me the solid, though, if you're watching right now, of liking the video and subscribing to the channel uh, because, well, frankly, I just did my taxes today and we really need it. So thank you so much. I have a question here. Let me take a little sip because uh, this came from the SEC, but it's, it's aimed right out west. And I, being Pac-12 Pate, have to gear up for this one. So Chase hit us up from Powder Springs, Georgia. Good people in Powder Springs. He said, why the lack of talk about Oregon as a national player this year? I strongly believe it's them and Utah for the Pac-12 and then a gap to everyone else. Not a large one, but a gap. A very interesting take on the Pac-12. You hear what he said there? He said, Oregon and Utah, and then a gap. And I'm like, what? There is no gap that places anyone that far ahead of USC or Washington out there. USC and Washington are at the forefront of any conversation in the Pac-12. Now, you want to throw Oregon in there, you want to throw Utah in there, be my guest. Those are easily the four teams that I would put in there. But Chase, I checked the inventory, and we have not backed off talking about Oregon as a national player. Now, if you want to talk about the rest of the country, I don't particularly listen to a whole lot of the other shows. We don't have time. It's not disrespect. We just don't have time. But we have had Oregon smack dab in the middle of our conversation. I had Jesse uh, kind of look up the odds to win the Pac-12 championship. This is from Caesars, by the way. USC number one, Oregon number two. Washington, number three. Oregon State has better odds than Utah, huh? With Jesse returning at quarterback for Utah under the surname Cam Rising. Uh, that's interesting. That's for, I had not seen that. So anyway, as you can see, so there are five teams. It's a five-team group. Apologies for the disrespect to Oregon State there. So yeah, there, there is not, a, there, there is not a, an Oregon, Utah, and then a gap anywhere out there. Having said that, I think you're competing against the helmet sticker in the Pac-12. And that's not even unfounded. What I mean, obviously, is people look at you being a Pac-12 team and they don't take you seriously because the conference hasn't been a serious player on the national stage in the playoff spotlight for several years now. So you got to overcome that. Just because something hasn't happened the last few years doesn't mean it can't happen. We talk about that all the time. But you, you do have to overcome that stigma because you created the stigma. I really wonder about the future of the conference. We haven't talked about the whole media rights stuff because there's a little bit of a lull in that conversation right now, but we're following it just off camera. But I take Oregon seriously. I take Utah, Southern Cal, Oregon State, Washington. It would really blow a bunch of your minds, by the way, if Jonathan Smith or Kalen DeBoer had Washington or Oregon State in the playoff mix. I, I would just love it so much. But anyway, because I know you don't take them seriously. I know a lot of you don't. And it's okay, because history has shown you, you shouldn't take the Pac-12 seriously. I happen to think it's a really good year for him this year, so then what does really good mean is the next question, and that's for August. But here's the question I ask about him. I think they've got some quality teams out there. Do they have some regardless teams, or do they have a bunch of depends-on teams? The regardless teams are like Georgia. Georgia can win the SEC regardless of what anyone else does, because if Georgia just does what they're supposed to, they're good enough to make it no matter what. 
And then you got some other teams that could make it, but they need some things to go their way. They need some other teams to be down. Those are the depends on teams, not the diaper, but just the state of being. They depend on someone else being down. And then if some things open up, maybe if quarterback doesn't pan out at some of these big programs nationally, maybe they could sneak in the back door. I think there are several depends on programs out there. I don't know if I readily identify any regardless of programs. No, we're talking about playoff. We're not just talking about winning the Pac-12. I have it on good authority. We are guaranteed to have one of those teams win the Pac-12 this year. It's just that they could be a two-loss team when they do it. So if we're going to go anywhere above and beyond that, got to play better defense at Southern Cal. We've got to be more offensively dynamic at a couple of those places out there. We got to be healthy at Washington defensively. We've got to be a lot better at Oregon too. Uh, so it, listen, that's why we're going to play the season. If they have that, they have that. It doesn't matter that they haven't done it in the past. They just will be this year. I mean, um, you know, if I were to tell you that TCU was going to make the playoff, you would have laughed at me because you would have said, oh, no team like that will ever make it. No team like that has made it. Then they did, right? So the Pac-12, it'll, it'll be, well, they can't do it. They can't do it until they do it. Here's what I'm watching with the Pac-12. And you didn't really ask me about this, Chase, but I'll just share what's on my mind. I was on Next Round Live in Birmingham earlier today, and we were talking about this. Because where else would you go other than Birmingham, Alabama, to talk about Pac-12 odds and ends? So we were talking about, I don't even remember what the impetus was for the conversation, but we got on the topic of Pac-12 coaches. And we got on this topic of what the future of the conference holds. And right now, the coaching market pretty much looks like this. A guy gets fired, and then there are the usual names in the hopper. Or you've got some, some hot commodities out there who are coordinators. Garrett Riley at Clemson is going to be this very soon, if not already. And so we know how it normally works. Here's what we have not seen. What we have not seen is a conference hurl itself into an era of volatility and unpredictability and unevenness, like the Pac-12 is on the precipice of doing, to the point where their good coaches just leave out of nowhere. And I'm looking at Dan Lanning at Oregon. If they keep ascending, but the Pac-12 is just thrust into a quagmire of uncertainty, or even like Jed Fish at Arizona, what if he keeps ascending? What if Jonathan Smith, Kalen DeBoer, what if those guys continue to run high-level programs out there but they look around the conference and the stuff out of their control is really murky. It's like one of those college game day mornings when they're on the West Coast and it's before sunrise. And then the sun slowly starts to come up in the second hour of the show. And it's like foggy all over the place. You can't really see anything. That's what it feels like in the Pac-12 right now. I think about those coaches. Whomst ever the quality coaches are out there. I wonder if we're headed towards, I hope we're not. Let me stop and say, I hope we're not. But I wonder if we're headed towards an era where some of the best out there are at places that are historically really good, and historically we know you can win there. Proud traditions, great fan bases, great places to live, not the best conference to be in. That'd be a shame. And so therefore, I hope what I just said never actually comes to any kind of fruition. I got a question about a team we've talked about a lot, so we'll talk about them at least once more here. First cough of the night. That's an upset, too. Over-under was like four. Payne from College Station, he said, I got a good feeling about A&M this fall. 
I can't really explain it. Have you ever just had a good feeling about a team going into the fall? Yeah, pain, sometimes that makes you look really dumb. Hope this works out for you. But yeah, I've had that before and it's, it's worked out. LSU 2019 <laughs> worked out beautifully for me, obviously. But other times, not so much. Speaking of your team, I called your team a disaster-proof roster last year. Pain, how did that work out for me? P-A-I-N, that different kind of pain. That's how it worked out for me. But let's just examine this. It's not the first time I've heard someone say this after the spring game. They got this funny feeling in their stomach about Texas A&M all of a sudden. I can make the argument. I certainly can. They, on, the, on the odds market, Texas A&M to win the national championship has gone from plus 6,000 to plus 3,000 in the last two weeks. They cut their odds in half. Someone likes what they saw. They're, they're not, you know, vaulted into the top 10 by any stretch, but someone likes what they saw. They lost 30 guys to the portal. That sounds really bad until you realize they're still seventh in the country in returning offensive production. So it's, it's not the kind of losses that it sounds like. It's also not a net loss of 30 players. They're steadily adding guys from the portal too. So it's called roster churn. They're overturning their roster. Like I said, seventh in the country in returning production as it stands now. They'll probably add some more players. Bobby Petrino takes over. An offense with a five-star quarterback, wide receiver, running back. Hey, what did we hear from the other day? And what did we not see any of the other day in the spring game? Deception. Motion. We'll see it this fall. Now, I have already made my thoughts clear about when we'll ultimately find out about AM and this whole offensive dynamic. It will be pretty early in the year, the first sign of a struggle. Is it still Bobby Petrino running the offensive show? I'm not going to bore you to death with that again. But there are players. There are players out there. Five stars all over the defense. But like I said, five-star quarterback, five-star running back, five-star receiver. They had seven losses last year. That's what everyone looks at. I looked at it too. They were ugly. Or were they? Five of those losses were by six points or less. They beat LSU at the end of the year. They beat Arkansas at the time Arkansas was ranked. That was a close game, by the way. That kind of sent Arkansas' season into a tailspin. Uh, they beat Miami. <laughs> I know you don't remember this, but once upon a time, Miami was ranked 13th in the country last year. That didn't last very long. So how far do they have to go? How far? How much correction really is there needed? This is where I think things may be a little warped with the whole national perspective on Texas A&M. There is a thought out there that they've got to overturn everything. And that's just not the case. Anytime a, a vast majority of your losses are by one possession, that's one play. That is, that is one false start that backs you up five yards and forces you to punt instead of going forward on fourth down. It's just, just fractions here and bounces of ball there and just mistiming and miscues here. As Jimbo would tell you, it's all about execution. And he's, he's not wrong. Sometimes the way he uses that is a little overboard, but he's not wrong. But the perception of how much needs to change, just degrees, just, just inches here and inches there. Connor Wegman should be the starting quarterback out there, should be. And once upon a time, we had Jimbo Fisher on the signing day show when they were signing Wegman. And this was right before he yelled at me about sliced bread. He said, well, we took him because we think he's the best in America. And I said... Quinn Ewers was in the transfer portal, and Jimbo said, I, yeah, I'm including him. Connor Wegman was the best in America. That's the best quarterback out there this cycle. Should be your starting quarterback by now. I'm not saying he won't be. Uh, he's, he's battling Max Johnson out there. 
I think he'll be their starting quarterback. And week two is where it really gets interesting. In fact, the entire state of Texas, let me paint you a picture of the out-of-conference picture. Ugh, a lot of pictures. Let me paint you the out-of-conference picture for a lot of these programs in Texas in week two. We got A&M at Miami. We got Texas at Alabama. We got Oregon at Texas Tech and Utah at Baylor all in the same afternoon. Circle week two. You, you hate all the incestuous conference scheduling. $5 for the first usage of incestuous on the show. You, you hate how you get all the conference games. Well, we got, we got some across-the-board must-see out-of-conference games for a bunch of these programs. Oh, and Houston plays rice that day. So Houston deals with food, and the rest of you, you got some chores that Saturday afternoon in, in early September. So, yeah, you could feel good about A&M. You feel a lot better than you did last year. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what God created April for. How many times do we have to talk about this? A&M in the SEC, when it comes to college football playoff title odds, they have the fifth best odds. And they've gone from plus 6,000 to plus 3,000. Only Tennessee, LSU, Bama, and Georgia are listed ahead of them. And I forget where FPI had A&M, but I'm sure they got them up there somewhere. Let's, uh, let's talk about this other question right quick. This has been on my mind. Nay, it's been on my heart for a little while. Ever since we talked about spring games, this spring, obviously. One more sip from the chalice. Got a long drive tonight. You know, I'm speaking at my college Thursday. A lot of talk about Jalen Hurts right now and how it's just fantastic. But the made-for-TV movie of his life that he, you know, Jalen Hurts starts at Alabama quarterback, gets benched in the title game, and then goes on to end up being the highest-paid player in NFL history at the position he got benched in in college. That's an upset. That is a great story. Almost as great as the story of me, once upon a time, being dismissed via academic expulsion from college, only to years later be brought back to speak at said college. So the Jalen Hurts and me's of the world, we want to tell you, never give up. Because quite literally, as it turns out, anything is possible. Okay, let's get this question. Steve from Champaign, Illinois. Why does everyone hate that people get excited about spring ball? Tell them, Steve. Why does everyone hate this? Everyone doesn't. That's the answer. Some mouthy people on Twitter do, and they make themselves sound like an army. But really, most of us understand we can enjoy spring. Most of us understand how to interpret this. I've been sarcastically saying all night, oh, we overreacted to spring. We overreacted to this game and that game. That's because there's, there's this syndrome on social media where everyone wants to create something to then shout about. So if it doesn't exist, you just have to manufacture it. That's the way of the world. If an actual crisis doesn't exist, just manufacture it so that you can raise a torch and a pitchfork against it. Works beautifully. In the college football world, here's what that looks like. One person on a message board takes a little bit too much from a spring game. 14,000 people on Twitter start screaming about how everyone overreacts to spring games. And meanwhile, everyone else is listening to them yell and asking, who are you talking about exactly? And they all point out the few examples. And then you look at the few examples and say, yeah, but hardly anyone actually feels like this. Most people understand. Texas A&M's playing on a 65-yard field. Auburn's got a scoring system where the defense has 24 to start the game. No one's taken a whole lot from this. 
We just want to go out and get mildly to moderately sunburned and watch the players and see some of the early enrollees and rekindle friendships, eat some funnel cake. It is what it is. That spring. No one's overreacting over here, so let's settle down. Here is my theory on this, though, since you asked. I think some people in the college football space want to take vacation in the spring. I said it. Because we don't, therefore I can say it. I don't think people want to be locked in in spring. And so the old go-to for a lot of the folks in the college football media circuit has been to yell at everyone, don't take spring seriously. Translation, I don't want to cover this. Don't make me cover this. Which is your prerogative, but we don't believe in the off-season. Some of these folks, some of these folks don't, I know they traffic in the college football year-round conversation. It's not year-round for them. They want to check out in the spring. And to do that, they got to convince you that spring's not really all that serious. You shouldn't be taking any of this serious. Hey, I take it pretty seriously. I mean, we got some quarterback competitions out there. You're telling me you watched Carson Beck the other day and didn't learn a little something about him? Really? You're going to watch Milrow and Ty Simpson at Alabama this Saturday. You don't think you could learn a little something about them? I'm not saying Nick Saban's making his decision based on a, a scripted spring game, but I don't get to watch practice every day like he does. So I could absolutely learn something about those guys. I, I think the long and short of it is you got a bunch of folks like us, the norms out here, who, who understand how we should process spring games. You got a few casuals who overreact. Then you got a lot of folks who just want to hear themselves talk, who shout about people overreacting. A mountain out of a molehill, as Meemaw would say. And then you got some folks in the college football media sphere who really just want to be in Cabo or Panama City, if you roll in the circles I do, and they don't particularly want to cover spring football. And to that, I wag my pen, my, my Max Preps pen here. Thank you, Stoney. I wag my pen and say, you, you don't have to cover it, but don't hate on us because we're interested in it. And in the words of Horace Gump, that's all I have to say about that. I'm driving home tonight. We don't have a show Thursday. We'll be back Sunday. I will have you a Late Kick Extra podcast Thursday as long as the mic holds up. So look for that. And a quick reminder, just a little, little favor, because I'm looking at some of our metrics and a ton of folks listen to our podcast. A ton of folks listen. Not a lot of you are subscribed. It doesn't cost you anything. It just helps us. So do me a favor. Keep doing what you're doing, but subscribe to the podcast. And obviously YouTube as well. So we don't really care how you watch or listen. We just care that you listen. Thank you so much for doing that. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great rest of your week and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.